Okay, flower people. Are these hydrangeas right here? Hydrangeas? They're not just your any old run-of-the-mill hydrangeas. These hydrangeas are from a wedding that was last weekend, right? David's daughter, David and Linda's daughter, Kate, Katerina, was married last weekend. And these are hydrangeas from Washington, D.C. And uh, so you might want to give them a word of a congratulations on their, their bright and brilliant daughter's marriage. And uh, today, before we uh, go to Ephesians in chapter 1, let's have a little family time before we do that. Uh, Bob Kinney, I didn't get your permission, but he's got surgery Tuesday. So if you wanted that to be private, it's out now. So <laughs> it's, it's tomorrow. Oh, you're sure it's not Tuesday because <laughs> it is tomorrow. Okay. So, and it's a long surgery. And so we just appreciate your prayers in the morning. Uh, so I know others of you, Carol Bliss has a surgery coming up. And you probably wouldn't mind if people prayed for you. No. Anybody else in need of prayer today? Raise your hand and tell me. I'm serious. You have a need of prayer? We have a moment here that we want to pause, just have a time of prayer. Anybody have a? Yes. Ernie and Bob, their car broke down, so they had the emergency to go out and get another car. So Ernie and Bob Raymond, pray for them. Anybody else standing in the need of prayer today? This is your chance to get prayed for. And uh, all right, I want to, yes, Jacob, I see that hand. Anything in particular? All right, we'll pray for that. All right, let's just talk to the Lord together. Well, hearts are full today, Lord, for we love your house, and we love your day, and we love your people. We love these great hymns of the faith, which have been a comfort and instruction and an inspiration to your people for a long, long time. Thank you for the gifted musicians today who led us in your worship and praise, and we pray for those that Lord, we all have burdens. All of us have burdens. We have loved ones with needs. We have people that we love that, that need to be closer to the Lord or need to know the Lord. We have things that sometimes keep us awake at night and that cause us to tremble. And, and sometimes we're sad. And sometimes we're afraid. And sometimes we're just guilty. And, uh, but we gather because we know that you are the King of Kings and we gather here because we know that you will hear our prayers and we pray for our loved ones that are going to be facing surgery soon. You know, Bob and Carol and, and others that are having needs, I pray that their surgeries would go well and that they would recover swiftly and especially that they would just have a sense of your love for them and love of the people of God as well. Pray for Bob and Ernie as they're going through this difficulty with their car, that they'd have good transportation, they'd find a good, good car and Lord, thank you for Jacob, and thank you so much for his uh, faithfulness here and his service uh, with our teams. And uh, Lord, to have a young man that just wants to confess publicly, you can pray for me. So I pray that you give him wisdom and guidance in whatever the affairs are that they're on his heart. Thank you, Lord, as you bring folks back that went south and bring them back safely. We get to see them again. It makes our hearts happy to see them. Uh, I pray they'd feel welcome and loved and missed. When they're gone, I know there are those that are watching online that are 
that would be here if they could, and they just can't. Or maybe there are just other circumstances that they're tuning in online, and I pray for them. Pray that there'd be a sense of nearness to you and that you'd speak to their souls and to their hearts. Lord, I know that there are among us people with needs that are kind of unspoken, uh, that we haven't mentioned today, but they're very real and, and they're very important and, and they're on our hearts too and we love them and we pray for them, each of them. Lord, today I uh, want to ask you for our young people that you'd just especially help them. We love them so much and we, we long to see them know you and love you and follow you. We know there's so many things that are pressing on them, so many things in their minds. Uh, we ask your special help that you watch over them and help us as adults in their lives to be consistent and faithful in our witness, tender-hearted toward them and caring in our listening and a good example of, of, their, of the way that they should live. And I pray that when they have secrets in their hearts that they don't feel like they can tell anybody, that they would find some loved one in the church that would be wise, that they could tell their heart to, and that they could get help, wisdom, and prayer and such. Lord, I pray for our prayer partners that our whole church would divide up into prayer partners and pray, and that we would pray that you would put upon our hearts the people that don't know you so that we could introduce them to you. And now, as we look at your word, we thank you for it. We pray for your help and blessing as we study your word, as you promised you would give us in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are in the book of Ephesians in chapter 1, when Paul, Aquila, and Priscilla sailed into the harbor of the huge city of Ephesus, there were no known Jesus followers there. There were no Jesus groups there. There were no churches. The towering over the city was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was the, it was the magnificent temple to Artemis, which sounds wonderful, but it was a dark and demonic place. And they lived in the shadow of that. You can tell by reading Acts 18 and 19, which we did a little bit last week, that this, the town of Ephesus, the city of about a quarter of a million people, a large city in the ancient world, was a dark and a demonic place. And there were, there were demonized people there. There were stories of exorcists. There were new believers who, when they had revival, they brought their Dark, their dark arts and, and a large amount of them and burned them in the streets of the city. And so the letter, this letter, if we were to study it carefully, we won't spin through that today, but if you were to read it this afternoon and just look for references to dark things, you would find a whole bunch of references to demon possession and, and powers and authorities, reference to demonic powers and authorities. So they had that sense over them God sent a riot, if you read there in Acts 19. God sent a revival, a movement of Jesus people, and a movement of Jesus groups sprung up from, from Ephesus and went up uh, along the riverways to other cities. And later on, John, who was a pastor at Ephesus later, would write letters to the churches. We call them the Revelation. And these were churches that had sprung out from the ministry in Ephesus there. Paul ministered there. He came back on his third missionary journey. He stopped there briefly on his second missionary journey, came by land back on his third missionary journey, tried to get there other times, and he stayed there almost three years for a few months speaking in the synagogue. And then when he got to kind of run out of the synagogue, he rented the school of Tyrannus 
It was there for a long time. And then, of course, you remember we mentioned last week that on his way to Jerusalem, he had a stop in Miletus and he met with the Ephesian elders and it's one of the most tender scenes in the Bible. So it's interesting. Point I'm making about this is that Ephesus was a spiritually dark place, a very spiritually dark place. And Paul writes them a letter. Now, you understand that it wasn't just a letter from Paul. It was a letter from Paul that's inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Bible is written by men who are moved by the Holy Spirit. So it's not just a good book or history. It's God's Word. So this, book of, this, this letter to the Ephesians is from God and Paul, from the Holy Spirit and Paul. And he writes them, and what did the Spirit-driven apostle have to say to these people in Ephesus who lived in such a dark place. It might be interesting for us to pay attention to that. He says something like this. You live in a dark place with a curse brooding over you. But God in Christ wants to bless you. And he starts right out at the beginning with a long list of amazing blessings. You, God is powerful, and you want him to be on your side. And in this letter, Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says to the people, I know you have a dark past, and I know that you live in a dark place. I know that you feel like you're being crushed by darkness all around you. I know that you sense there is a curse on you, and there is. And you're cursed before God and cursed before man. And Satan would love to, like, to fuel the flames of that curse but I, in Christ, intend to bless you in a way that can never be taken away from you. This is what he's going to say in Ephesians in chapter 1. So relax. It's going to be a really happy Sunday. What about you, though? What about us? America is dark and growing darker, if you haven't figured that out. But it might not be as dark as ancient Ephesus was before the gospel came to town. So what's the letter have to say to us today? What does it have to say to you? Why would we be reading this old letter? Why would we take the time to read an old, old, you know, centuries old letter? Because the scriptures are inspired for us down through the years for our good. Let me just ask you some questions that might be helpful as we approach this of you. How do you see yourself? Who do you think you are? When you think about yourself, what do you think about yourself? How do other people see you? How do you think? other people see you? This is a question of identity. It's all the, it's all the question in our culture today. And big questions that were never, that were rarely, if ever asked before, are now being asked with a straight face, and they're about identity. Identity is a big thing. But brings us to the question, how do others see you? What do you think others think about you? And then you have the question, what does Satan think about you? What does he say about you? And then you have the ultimate question, which would be what? What does God say about you? Now, we can help you there because we have the book that tells us what God thinks about us when we're in Christ. And that's what Ephesians is about. So think about it like this. To frame it like this, think about it like this. You and I, you were created by God with dignity and with honor. The Bible says dominion. Human beings are created by God. If God created you, it makes you real special. So you were created by God. 
the Bible uses the word majesty to describe human beings created in the image of God. Dignity. Human being. You're, you're one. And you're created by God to have honor and dominion and authority. It's interesting. But there's more to the story, and it's bad. Early in the story, right? It's Genesis chapter what? It's really early. It's like chapter 3. You're fallen and you're crushed, and you're cursed. And that, that's what the Bible says, a curse came on the world. It's like, that explains everything. You're not just having a bad day. You're living in a broken world. You're not just getting a bad hand dealt to you. You live under a curse. That's what the Bible says. That's how the Bible describes the world. And that explains a lot. Why does it sometimes seem like the whole world is against you? Because the whole world is against you. That's why. That's what the Bible teaches. It's the curse. The Bible talks about the curse. Now, is that the end of the story? Somebody say, I hope not. No, that's not the end of the story. It is possible to be blessed, for cursed people to live in a cursed planet, to be blessed. But the only way for that to happen is, and there's a special word that's used over and over again by Paul, over and over again in Ephesians, over, again, over and over again in Ephesians 1, there's a little phrase, a two-word phrase. Those who are blessed are the ones who are in Christ. Those who are in Christ. Very plainly spoken in Ephesians 1.13, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed by the Spirit. People, we sometimes, it's not, not, said this way in Ephesians, but in, in the Gospel of John, it uses the term born again. In, in other places, in Paul's writings, he uses the term saved. Over and over again, he uses the term in Christ. This is what you, this is the most important thing about you is not what kind of car you drive or how much money you make or even what you accomplish or how long you live or how you live or where you get to travel. The most important thing about you in the world is are you in Christ or not? Are you under the curse or are you blessed by God? And the way to be blessed by God is to be in Christ because it's in Christ that we're blessed. And I'm going to describe that in a way that ought to make your heart sing, just ought to make your heart literally sing. And so this is where we are. God wants blessing for you. He wants good for you. Paul starts to letter with grace and peace. Sounds nice. He wants good. It doesn't matter who curses you or what curses you or where you live or how bad things have been in the past or how badly you've been hurt or who says bad things about you. Even people that say bad things about you that you kind of know in your heart are true. Doesn't matter. If God blesses you, doesn't matter who curses you. So the question is, does God really bless us in Christ? He do, he, he's going to make that really clear in verses 4 through 14 today. Loved ones, let's look today at this list of reasons to be thankful and bless God because darkness creeps in and tries to drag us back. But we, verses 4 through 14, are just a burst of praise. It's one, one, one long sentence in, in Greek. And verses 15 through 23 are a prayer that springs out of that praise. And Pastor Jordan We'll take, us, take you all there next week. But this week, I want to show you eight reasons to give him praise from 
Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through, I know what you're thinking, eight reasons we're going to be here all day. No, you'll be shocked how fast this goes. I've even given you slides this week because I love you. You get slides. When you get eight points, you get slides. And, and so these notes are also online at BethelJackson.org because I know you're going to scurry over there and memorize them. The enemy wants to curse you, though. But God wants to bless you. Let's read the whole thing together, then we'll go through these eight things. Blessed be the God. This is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved or the beloved one. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And he put all things under his feet and, uh, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him also you, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it to the praise of his glory. Pray with me. And Lord, this is rich. This is high stuff. This is, this is the mountaintops of truth. And I pray that you would open the hearts of all who listen today that those who are not yet in Christ would, would hurry to get in Christ that those of us who are in Christ would praise you and bless you and that you would help us to help other people to draw them into the blessing too. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the enemy wants to curse you. He wants you to stay under the curse. But in Christ, you are blessed and privileged. That's verse three. In Christ, you are blessed and privileged. You see it? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ in every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So the realm of spiritual warfare is the heavenly places. And already in that, in that place of spiritual conflict, you have, we'll talk about later, your inheritance, your blessings are already set in Christ. You are blessed and privileged. If you feel unlucky, you feel like, ah, oh, why do I have one bad day after another? Well, you know, that's the curse that's working. That's what the Bible says. That's the curse. But you can be blessed in a cursed world and you can be a blessed person. How? By being in Christ. You got it. Number two, in Christ you're chosen and cherished. In Christ you're blessed and privileged. In Christ you're chosen and you're cherished. Doesn't that sound good? You ever been rejected? You ever been rejected on a sports team? That's the story of my life. You ever been rejected in marriage? Some of the people rejected in marriage. How painful that must be. How devastating that must be. You ever been rejected in love? 
I made a career of that too. Ah, oh, my goodness, what a painful thing that is. Rejection is difficult to deal with. But what if others reject you, but God, but God has chosen you and cherished you? Oh, that, would, that would change things. The enemy wants you, he wants you to believe that nobody loves you, but God loves you and gave his son Jesus for you. Think about that. So the Bible teaches in Christ, you're blessed and privileged, number one. Number two, in Christ, you're chosen and cherished. That helps you deal with rejection. Verse four and five, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, and that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us, verse five. Down in verse 11, that, that word, again, predestined. In the Bible, there are words chosen and predestined and elected. Interesting. To Christians kind of arm wrestle about the nuances of meaning. And the, and, but here's the thing that Paul is trying to say. This is a part of the great and amazing mystery of God has blessed us in that we, we sometimes think, I started thinking about him. He was thinking about you before the foundation of the world. So he has a plan, and over and over again in the Bible, it says his plan or the mystery of his plan. We tend to think we make the plans and we get God to endorse our plans. But the Bible says, no, no, he makes the plans and then he chooses us. That's amazing. And so in Christ, number one, you're blessed and privileged. In Christ, you're blessed, not cursed. In Christ, number two, you're chosen and cherished by God. And it, notice in the passage, it says in verse four, holy and blameless before him in love. And that also is antecedent or under this choosing. So you're chosen to be holy and blameless and you're chosen to be in love. In other words, chose you and chose to love you. You, you figure out the details of that. While you're figuring that out, make sure you're worshiping him. Because when, when it's all said and done, Christians until Jesus comes back are going to be a little bit arguing about how that works. But one thing that we should all agree on is whatever that means, it's amazing that God has chosen us and the Bible is so plain about that. So then, number three, in Christ, you're holy and blameless. Satan says, you, you're an enemy of God. And he's right. And he says, and you're filthy and disgusting. And, and God says, no, in Jesus, you're holy. You're pure and holy and blameless. Again, verse one, you're called saints. Paul, an apostle of Jesus of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints, means holy ones. And then in verse four, chosen in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless. So this is a, this is a heartening prospect. And in the first three chapters, he's not going to give you any instructions. I know you're waiting for the pastor to go, so when do we get the beat down this week? When is the pastor going to rough us up, you know, tell us how bad we are? It's like, not yet. Later, when is he going to tell us what to do? Well, I'll cheat and do that. But Paul didn't, in, verse, in chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3, all he does is tell what God did. And, and the implication being, and, and when you have established who you are in Christ, then you can go on to figure out what you can do in Christ. But first he wants to establish, let's establish first you're part of the family. You're chosen and cherished by God. You're blessed and privileged. You're chosen and cherished. You're holy and blameless before God. These are people with recent dark past, like demonic stuff. They burn their, the Christians were burning their stuff in the street that they used for demon worship. So they were like kind of bad people. Recent dark past. Number one, you're blessed and privileged. Number two, in Christ, you're chosen and cherished. So you want to bless him and praise him for that. Number three, in Christ, you're holy and blameless. So you live 
with a heart of praise because of that. Number four, in Christ, you're accepted and you're included and you're adopted. In Christ, you're accepted, included, adopted. It's beautiful. And to the praise of his glorious grace, verse six, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In the beloved, here's a term for Jesus, in the beloved one, in Jesus. In Christ, we're, we're accepted. In Christ, we're included. In Christ, we're adopted. This is, was my favorite book of the Bible when I was a kid because I was the guy that would get not picked for the team so that you wouldn't have a dead spot in your batting order. So when I found, well, I don't get picked for the team because I'm like really bad at sports, but God chose me because he, in Christ, he loves me. It meant a lot to me. If you've ever been rejected, maybe that will help you. Part of the curse is, and we all have, but part of the curse is that rejection from people. Broken people, hurt other people. And if you had it in your life, your brokenness and rejection and the feeling like you're an outsider and you never, and all the other people are cool. A lot of the people are, they got what it takes. All the other people are in and you're out. Well, he says, that may be true humanly. That may be true in this cursed world. But in the heavenlies with God, you're included in the most important inclusion in the world. Somebody needs a blessing today. They're sneezing over there like crazy. Bless you, whoever that is. You need a blessing. You need a special blessing today. So I just picked on you publicly. Um, Jesus wouldn't do that. You see what I'm saying? Number five, in Christ, you're forgiven and cleansed. Uh, in, I just do this so you know I'm not perfect. How am I doing? Number five, in Christ, you're forgiven and cleansed. You feel dirty sometimes? <laughs> I want to kid with you and go, you ought to. <laughs> if you don't feel guilty... Well, you didn't read the Bible carefully enough. You should feel guilty because you are. I mean, let's get that on the table. Protesting your innocence is a fool's errand because you're guilty. The nicest of you are guilty. I hang out with pastors. Pastors are all nice guys. Guilty nice guys. Sinners, you know. Good, healthy sinners. This is true. Um, and so, you ever feel dirty? You should. Okay, look at verse 7. You're going to like verse 7 then. In him we have redemption through his blood. And the idea, you know the idea there, is that you're purchased. The redemption is a purchase word. And the idea, you know, in the slave market, you're, you're a slave to sin and Satan. And then he comes, Jesus comes along and he dies on the cross and he can only purchase you with his blood and the redemption price the, is his blood. And he gave his blood. So you're, you're forgiven. You're, you're redeemed. If you're in Christ, you're forgiven and you're cleansed. Look what it says, verse 7. In him... And because of what Christ did and because we believe, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. And he gets this, our forgiveness, out of the riches of his grace. Not stingy with us. He's just pouring out grace or gifts is the word. So this is all amazing. You hear all this. It's amazing. So in Christ, you're blessed and privileged. Number one. Number two, you're chosen and cherished. Number three, you're holy and blameless. Number four, you're accepted, included, and adopted. Number five, you're forgiven and cleansed. This just gets better and better, doesn't it? Number six, you are entrusted with the mysteries of God. You ever been confused? You're like, what's going on? I don't know what's going on in the world. Open your Bible. You're going to know what you need to know now. If you're, if you're a little foggy about it, hang out here. We'll teach the Bible. We have classes. You can ask personal questions. You can find your place in the world. This is what Ephesians is about. God in his mercy is saying to the people, here's what I'm doing. And then he's saying, and here's how you can be involved. Like, thank you. That helps orient me. Like when something really super bad happens to you and you think, 
I think my life is terrible. And I think God hates me, and I, I think he caught up with me, and I'm, I'm dirty and confused and guilty, and, and they're going to get me now. It's like Jesus is going, wait a minute, that's not what this means. You live in a broken world, but you're in Christ. You're safe in me. I'm going to clean this whole thing up someday. You're going to be a part of that. Stay with us. Looks bad right now, but it's going to get infinitely better. <laughs> you are entrusted with the mysteries of God. It's like, it's like imagine that your favorite rivalry game are you, ever, are you like me? When the favorite rivalry game comes on, I'm not going to tell you what that is, but if the favorite rivalry game comes on, i got to tell you, I'm a little nervousy. Like, if my team doesn't win, I'm going to wrestle with being a little disappointed for a whole year. You know? And then those other guys are going to look at me and they're going to go, you know. <laughs> and you're going to go, shut up. Shut up. Right? But if, I, if my team won and I have it on tape, I watch it again, and, I'm just, and they may be behind, but I'm just going, and in, in the end, I know what happens. You, the team wins. Well, you know, you got a Bible, flip, 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 go to the back, see what happens. Guess what? You can say it. Yeah, we win. Jesus wins. <laughs> That's it, isn't it, Ed? Jesus wins. Ed, Ed here in the... <laughs> He's been in two of my churches. Nobody else here can say that. Well, Lois, you can hope you guys can say that. Been in two of my churches. Ed one time comes up, I preached through Revelation in the other church, and I preached through Revelation in this church. And I go over to Ed's for, was it salmon you made me that day? You made me some meat, yeah. And he goes, don't forget to tell him Jesus was. Because you told this amazing story about Jesus. Tell him that. So Ed is here to make sure I get it all in there. Isn't that sweet? Jesus wins. I wanted to tell you that today because you might feel like a loser, but in Christ, you are not. <laughs> he wins. And you're entrusted with the mysteries of God. Look at it, verse 9 and 10. It's amazing. So he makes known to, you, to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Jesus prays, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he's going to come make that happen. One of these days, heaven is coming to earth, and guess who wins? Heaven takes over the earth. In the end, it's like we don't go to heaven in as much as heaven comes to us. And then the world is renewed, and then heaven and earth are together. And, and so the scriptures teach us that we're entrusted with the mysteries of God. Let's go over our riches. You should be feeling pretty perky about now. Uh, in Christ, if you're in Christ, you're blessed and privileged. You are chosen and cherished. You're holy and blameless. You're accepted, included, and adopted. You're forgiven, cleansed, and entrusted with the mysteries of God. You ought to be like walking on clouds right now. And then it says in the scriptures, you're spiritually wealthy. Look at verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to his will. Um, it, in him we've obtained an inheritance. Now, he has all the wealth in the universe, and he says, all that I have is yours, and that's the size of the inheritance. It just staggers the mind. The enemy says, you're never going to have what you need. And, and Jesus says, no, everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. You know if you ever need anything, let me know. If I say no, it's because it's not good for you. I'll give you everything you really need. That's amazing. That's what it says. And then finally, in Christ. You are sealed and safe and secure. Sealed with the indwelling spirit. This amazing thing. Look at, listen to verse 12 and 13 and 14. 
So that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory in him also. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you believed in him and were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. In other words, he gave the Holy Spirit to live in you. And that gift of the Holy Spirit living in you is a seal. It's like when God makes a deal and seals it. When you belong to him and he seals it. It's not going to be broken. It cannot be broken. It's a seal from God. What is a seal? The presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Some of you, you don't think about that as often as you ought to. You have the Holy Spirit living in you if you're in Christ, and he's never going away because he doesn't stay there because you're good. He makes you good by staying there. And God says his presence is a seal. This is a, this incontrovertible truth of God for the security of the believer is you have the Holy Spirit living in you. How, how do we know that? Look at verse 14. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it? It's like, where's my stuff? Hold on. I'll give you my Holy Spirit. And then you can come get it later on to the praise of his glory. A lot of times when I teach this, I won't now, but a lot of times when I teach this, you know where I'm going with this, Hopi? My daughter Hopi is here. Our daughter Hopi is here. I, when she was little, I, I, you've probably heard me say this because I love saying this. If I was going to buy a truck from a guy, but I didn't have a down payment, I had Hopi with me, and I left Hopi with him, I'm coming back for the truck. God says, I'm going to come and get you here. Let me give you my Holy Spirit. I'll be back. You know, don't worry about it. He's going to come back. I love that. That's so sweet. I'm blessed by God. So what does it matter if he curses me? If, if anybody curses me, I'm blessed by God. That's pretty, pretty sweet stuff. So this should stir you up to do three things. Here they are. Number one, claim these blessings for yourself. Be sure you are in Christ. The worst horror story ever would be you not being in Christ. If you're here today and you're not sure, positive, you are in Christ, have a sit-down conversation with one of us. It'll be easy going. We'll just talk. We'll just sit and talk. You know, we get some coffee. We'll sit down. If a couple, I'll come out to your house. I'll sit down. I'll draw you a picture. I'll show you how you can be in Christ. Somebody should ask me to do that today. Somebody here should ask me to do that today. Change your whole life forever. I'd love to do that. We'll dispatch one of our elders. These guys are ready to rumble. We were praying with the elders yesterday morning, and they were telling about people they're witnessing to. I got people that will come and see you. I will send my people. Just say the word. I'll send my people. I'll send one of the elders. I'll send a team of elders. Two elders will come out, save you right up. That'd be awesome. Jesus will save you. But the elders will tell you how to be saved. Wouldn't that be great? Would somebody do that? The elders really would like to do that. So if you don't mind, we got, I want to go into that, but I'll save that for another day. So number one, claim, what should you do when you look at a passage like this? We, you know, we just flew over the top of it. Well, you should claim these promises. The most obvious thing about this is like you're in Christ, right? Oh, what a horror if you were not in Christ. None of this is true unless you're in Christ. Horrifying. Second, claim these blessings and pray them for others. Take somebody you know and just say, God, I want them to be blessed in Christ. I want them to be chosen and cherished. I want them to be adopted into the family. I want them to be spiritually wealthy. I want them to have the Holy Spirit. Pray that over your kids that might, or their grandkids that might not be where they should be. Pray that over them. Third, overcome darkness with praise. This is the main idea or the main thrust of the, of the passage. Paul's just saying, you ought to praise him. You ought to thank him. You ought to worship him. You should give him thanksgiving and you should give him blessing. Paul's in jail and he's not starting the letter with a big report on his troubles. He's in jail, and he's saying, you guys need to praise him for who you are in Christ. 
In New Zealand, they have a team, a rugby team, called the New Zealand All Blacks. Have you ever seen this? And they have the Hauka war dance that they do before every match. Raise your hand if you've seen the Hauka war dance. Yeah, it's intimidating. These are big, brawny lads. They're big, strong, scary dudes. And then they play rugby, so you wouldn't want to say something bad about their mother. You know what I'm saying? And they have this, this war dance that they do, and it's really intimidating. They're all dressed in black. And they're, you know, they're like, and they're, they're buff. And they're, they're yelling at the, they go up and they line up against the other team. And then they yell at the other team and they do the Hauka war dance. It says, watch, look it up on YouTube. Not before you go to bed at night. <laughs> so they go to England and they do the Hauka war dance once in this huge stadium in England. And the people in England sing hymns. It's a thing. They sing hymns all over England. So the Hauka warriors come and they do the Hauka war dance and while they're doing it to intimidate the other team, somebody up in the stand starts singing, swing low, sweet chariot. And then it goes all around the audit. The whole stadium explodes in this hymn, this old spiritual. And you can't hear the Hauka war dance anymore because the saints are singing the praises of God in heaven. If you listen, you can hear it right now. They're singing already. There's a sound of singing coming up from the saints who are already with the Lord. We are just going to join them singing blessing and honor and glory and power to the Lamb. Does that make you want to sing? Yes, it does. So why don't you stand up and we will sing together one more time. And then after we're done singing big, singing big, stand and sing big. And after we're done singing big, David Lemon is going to come and he's going to pronounce a blessing. We'll have prayer partners standing here in the front to help you if you want to set up a time, talk about the things of the Lord. Let's sing together.